Yeah. 
but we're doing the best we can. Praise God. At this time, we're going to unleash this preacher. And remember, his name is Dixon, too. So I would expect you to get with him just like you would do Brother Dixon because he is Brother Dixon. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. If God's been good to you, he deserves our praise and our worship. We got our arms crossed and we got an attitude. We need to lose it in the house of God and we need to give God praise and glory because no matter what he's been, what we've been going through in our life, he deserves our praise. Praise God. Can we all just stand and worship the Lord for just a minute? Let's just praise him and invite his presence in this place. God, we love you and we praise you. We magnify you, God, just for a few minutes tonight. This morning, God, we ask, Lord, that you would let us lay aside every weight, God. Let us put everything else out of our mind, God, and let us focus on you, Jesus. You deserve our glory. You deserve the praise. You deserve, God, Lord Jesus, everything and more than we can give you, God. In Jesus' name, we worship you. We praise you. We lift you up, Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. A lot of places we could be, but no better place than the house of God. Amen. We can scream and yell at a football game or at a basketball game, but fold our hands and act rebellious in the house of God. We're showing God where he belongs on our priority list. Come on. When we get to the place where we that, that uh, sport is more important than the house of God, we've got things mixed up. Right. We've got things backwards, and we've got things upside down. Amen. But God ought to be number one in our life. Amen. Matter of fact, that's the only place He'll take in our life is number one. He says, right. "I'll be number right. one, or I won't be anywhere." That's right. right. That's right. See the bumper sticker that says, "Jesus is my co-pilot." No, He's not. He better be in the driver's seat of my life. If he's not number one, he, he's not Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. I'm going to preach if it hair lips the devil. I said if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Praise the Lamb of God. 2020, a year of vision. A year where God shows us what He his heartbeat is. And when he shows us his heartbeat and we fall in love with his heartbeat, all of a sudden we start having that kind of a heartbeat for the lost and for the, and for the world that we live in. We have enough seeing our vision but not seeing God's vision. Hallelujah. I want to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 16. I will endeavor not to be long, but I do have a word from the Lord for us today. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. I'll give you a minute to find it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. I ask if you're able to do so that you stand in honor to the word of God, not in honor to me, but in honor to the word of God. If we are ever... In a generation where we've learned, sometimes we've lost the ability to honor things. It's this generation. But we better honor God. I said we better honor God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples 
how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Look at your neighbor and say the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. How would you like it when God calls you the devil? Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savoreth not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life, shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Amen. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Lord Jesus, we ask that you would anoint these lips of clay once again. God, we ask, Lord, that you would anoint our ears to hear. God, let our hearts be soft ground, God, that your word and your seed would go into our hearts, God. Lord Jesus, I ask in the name of Jesus that every spirit that is opposed to your word, Lord, be bound in the name of Jesus. Lord God, let our hearts be soft towards you, God. Let every wall between us and you come down right now in the name of Jesus, that your word would permeate our hearts, God. Lord, that you would minister to us and that you would talk to us, God, in this Sunday, Lord, that we would be changed forevermore to be more like you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise that you may be seated. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning. When losers win. Amen. When losers win. Come on. Finding your true identity in God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a loser. We used to, some of you guys have been wanting to say that for a long time to somebody. We used to Whenever I was a, a young teenager, we used to go around and put the big L up on your head. We'd look at each other and be like, you're the loser. You're a loser. That was the, the opposite of being a winner. Amen. An opposite of being a winner. How many know that God's economy and God's ways are not our ways? How many know that God's thoughts are not our thoughts? Aren't you glad? Because sometimes with our thoughts, you go, dear Lord Jesus, how can you use us? How can you use us? We're not even worth anything until we get a cup of coffee or a bang in us. We, we don't even know. We get out of the bed and we're, we, we look like the, the, a mammoth sloth that just, just crawled out of the ice age. And we're just trying to, trying to crawl and peel ourselves up out of the bed unless we get some caffeine in our bodies. And you, and you look at that and you say, God, why in the world when the angels had the eloquence that they had and when they had the abilities that they have and they have the talents that they have and they're perfect in just about every way and God chose to use us. You ever looked in the mirror and, and you looked and you said, God, what were you thinking? God, Somebody said, God had to have a sense of humor. He made me and he made you. Say, well, all, I'm all of that in the back of chips and a, and a soda to go with it. Well, you may feel like that right now, but you live a little while. You make a few mistakes. You fall flat on your face and you'll realize that it is the folly. The Bible said it's the foolishness of preaching that confounded the wise. God took preaching and sometimes we, sometimes God saves people but in spite of our preaching, not because of our preaching. How many know that sometimes God reaches down and reaches people around us, not because of us, but in spite of us. Somehow in, in spite of our imperfections. 
rejections, in spite of our failures, in spite of our misgivings, in spite of our faux pas, he somehow reaches through and allows us to shine through our lives and the cracks in our lives. And God uses our imperfections to show himself to a world that's looking for something or somebody real. If you read somebody, we, we said in the in the leadership meeting that we had this quarter that, that our, kind of our, our emphasis this year is going to be each one reach one. You say, well, how am I going to grow the church? I'll tell you how you grow the church. If every person here would reach one person, by the time that this next year comes around, we'd have double the amount of people. And I know it's not about numbers to God, but it is about souls. It is about reaching somebody. There's a lot of people in this parish, in our community that need God. And somebody needs to see God shine through you this year. Somebody needs to see God shine through you at the job. Somebody needs to see God shine through you at your school. Somebody needs to see God shine through with you at the at Walmart and at racetrack and wherever you go. God needs to shine through our eyes. Why? Because somebody needs to see Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to see Jesus. Jesus was telling his disciples that in my economy, to find yourself first, you've got to lose yourself. You've got to lose who you are. Well, you know what? I'm all obsessed right now with, the, with what I'm going to be when I grow up. I'm all obsessed with the better job. I'm, the, I'm obsessed with the better car. I'm obsessed with the better house. But Jesus said, no, you've got to lose yourself first. You've got to lose who you are and die out to flesh and say, God, it's not about me. It's not about my desires. It's not about what I want. But it's about the will of God at any cost. And whatever I've got to do to humble myself and get rid of my attitude so that God can shine through me. What's more important? That you get your way or that God gets his way in your life? The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I need God's grace. I need God's mercy. I can't afford to be arrogant. I can't afford to be proud and to be stuck up and to think I know more than those around us. I'm going to tell you what, that's the spirit of this world. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to lift myself up. I'm going to be what I want to be. But in God's economy, we have to go down before we can go up. we got to go down on a knee of repentance and say, God, I don't have it all together. I'm not everything I ought to be. But God, I'm going to trust in you that if I put you first, if I put you in the proper where you belong that you're going to do what's right for my family you're going to do what's right for my life and you're going to use this vessel for your glory we live in a world that's having an identity crisis more than ever before Webster's defines an identity crisis as a period or episode of psychological distress often occurring in adolescence. A lot of teenagers have identity crisis because they don't know who they are yet. They think they're one thing one day and another thing another day. And they and it's because we're growing up. But sometimes even in adulthood, we can have an identity crisis. And when a person seeks a clearer sense of self and an acceptable role in society. How many people go and see a psychologist every single week and they lay there on the couch and when they say, what is your greatest struggle? And they say, I just don't 
feel like I fit in. I just don't feel like I belong. I don't feel like I'm connected with anybody. I'm going to tell you in the church of the living God, we've got to make sure if we're not connected with anything else, that we're connected with the life force of Jesus Christ and his blood. And we're connected with the body because when we're connected with each other, there is nothing or nobody that can stop the church of the living God. The only thing that can stop the church is ourselves. The only thing that can stop the church is our will. The only thing that can stop the church is our pride and our desires of the flesh. But if we seek God first, there is no weapon that is formed against us that will prosper. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say it's not going to prosper. Look at your other neighbor and say it's not going to prosper. Hallelujah, it's not going to, it doesn't say there won't be formed. It doesn't say that weapons won't be forged in the anvil and in the blacksmith shop. But he said it's not going to prosper. We know that the enemy has ill will for our lives. And he has us marked when he sees God's favor upon our life. But that doesn't mean anything. If we've got our hand in the hand of God, he is able and faithful to protect us and to keep us. Hallelujah, I'm going to tell you, what you try to do something for God, you stand down and take another step. It seems like every time, brother, I start praying more and fasting more and seeking God's face more. The more my family's attacked, the more attitudes come up, the more I, I begin to see rebellion in my, in my life. I'm going to tell you what, we God cannot be swayed by that. We have got to have our hand in the hand of God and say, I don't care what comes against me. I'm not going to lose sight of what the main objective and that's to reach the lost at any cost. I want God's way, not my way. If we've ever had, Webster's also said, I love the second definition. It said that an identity crisis is confusion as to goals and priorities. We get our goals and our priorities mixed up when we'd rather listen to something in the world and we can sit there and listen to worldly garbage for hours, but we can't sit there and listen to the preaching of the word of God for five minutes. We've got some things mixed up in our head. Amen. Come on. Come on. We've ever got an identity crisis in America today is that time. In our endless pursuit to find ourselves, we have somehow lost focus of who we truly are. Say, who are we? Well, it's whatever I do for a living. Or, or, or who are we? Well, it's what my occupation is. Or, or it's where I go. Or what my, my goals are. Or what my ambitions is. That's not who you are. Who we are is a child of the Most High God. And we better never forget that. All of this other stuff. I know we got to go to work. I know we got to go to school. I know we've got this and that in our lives. But that stuff is ancillary. It's on the side. What we are is a child of God. And what we better be is the worshiper of the most high God. It kills me when I see people at church with their arms folded and just and their worship is going on and you can't even clap your hands because you're too arrogant. Say so you're preaching a little bit hard. I hope I am preaching a little bit hard this morning. I'm going to tell you what, we need to get our priorities right when we can't worship God but we can spend hours watching garbage from this world. In America, people tend to identify themselves with their occupation. They say even more so than any other country in the world. If you ask somebody in England, um, or you ask somebody a lot of times in the Eastern cultures, what, what, what are you and who, who are you? One of the first things they might reply is, I'm a father. 
they might reply to you, or oh, I'm a son, or I'm a brother. But in America, the first thing we ever say is, I'm a carpenter, or I'm a painter, or I'm a mechanic. We, we identify with our job more so than any other country in the world. U.S. News and World Report for 2019 listed these top 10 careers as the most sought after and most rewarding. Number one was software developer. Number two was a dentist. Number three was a physician's assistant. Number four was an orthodontist. Number five was a nurse practitioner. Number six was a statistician. statistician. Number seven was a physician. Number eight was a speech language pathologist. Number nine was an oral and maxillofacial surgeon. Number 10 was a veterinarian. I know we got a few animal lovers in here who would make probably some great, great veterinarians. But the first thing that we identify in this country when somebody asks us is what we do for a living. I'm going to tell you, somebody said it once, I've never seen somebody on their deathbed that the first thing out of their mouth was, I wish I would have worked more. I'm not saying that we shouldn't work. God tells us we need to work if we want to eat. But we should not identify ourselves first with what we do for a living on an earth that is going to pass away. The Bible said heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my word in no wise is going to pass away. My word is forever. We get so focused on what we're going to do here. I said we get so focused on what we're going to do here. For a few short years, the Bible said life is but a vapor. As you start getting older, I'm going to tell you what, you notice that. Time flies by. It just moves so much faster. It's like a roller coaster that keeps picking up speed, and I don't know where the exit is. It gets faster and faster. And I realize at 44 years of age that I don't have as much time left as I thought I did when I was 30 and when I was 20 and when I was a teenager. I've got to make what I've got left count. I've got to win some people for God. Because that's the only currency of heaven. God doesn't care what your job is. He doesn't care what your status is. He doesn't care what kind of shoes you wear. What kind of car you drive. He wants to know, are you reaching the loss? Do you care about my passion? Do you care about what I care about? Matthew 6 and 33, most of us could quote it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not second, not third, not fourth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. But, but, but Brother Dixon, i got to pray. And I'm praying because I, I, my family's sick. And I'm, seek ye first the kingdom of God. But I'm praying because I need a better job. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I'm praying because I need a car. My car's broke down. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I'm praying because this, this is going crazy and my marriage is falling apart. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You want to find your life. You've got to lose it first. You want to find God. You've got to lose yourself. And realize that it's not about us, but it's about the kingdom of God. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 6. When the Isaiah finally, he had a crisis in his life. He had linked himself with King Uzziah, and, and that was his crutch. And he leaned on King Uzziah everywhere he went. He said, that's my crutch. That's the one I'm going to. But in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah found himself in the house of the Lord. And he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up his train the temple. It wasn't that God was not there before. It's because Uzziah, 
much of a crutch that Isaiah couldn't see anything because Josiah. But when he was removed, you listen to what I'm saying this morning. When he was removed, if God's got to remove some things from your life so that he can become number one in our lives, he will do it because God wants to be number one above everything else. He's got to be first. God is a jealous God. He's not going to accept number two to your job. He's not going to accept number two to your favorite sport. He's not going to accept number two to your favorite movie, to your favorite Hollywood actor. He said, I'm going to be number one or I'm not going to be Lord at all. God's mathematics are not like the math of the world that we live in. We're in the business of addition, addition, and addition. How much more can I possess? You've seen these TV shows on called Hoarders. If you've ever watched the amount of things, thank you, Sister Skyler. I was praying that God would put that on somebody's mind. You see them and they just acquire this and they start out with just, I want a few more things and I want a few more things. I have, I have an aunt, I love her to death, but she is a hoarder. She is the epitome of a hoarder. And she had lost everything she had and had her house burnt down to nothing. And then she got a brand new mobile home to live in. And the first thing she did was go out and max out her credit cards to get every... She's blind and she's getting sewing machines. And I mean, just stuff that she will never, ever use. That would never see the, the, the time of day in her life. She's she's heaping it under herself. And, and we get to where we start defining ourselves by how much junk we have in our lives, how much stuff we have around us. I, I, I'm successful because I've got a nice boat. I'm successful because I've got a nice house. I'm successful because I'm driving a Maserati. I, I'm successful because I've got people following me on Facebook or, or on Instagram and I've got more followers than you do and, and I'm successful because of this and that's not success because God will pass away one day. I'm going to tell you what, the only thing that's successful is getting yourself an me before the hand of mighty God and allowing God to move in your life and become number one. If we put God first, he said all these other things that you're trying to add to yourself, I'll give them to you if they're good for you. We're in the business of addition, trying to acquire more possession. It's even been stated by someone, he, he who dies with the most toys wins. Let's see them stuff all your possessions in your casket with you and see if you can take it anywhere. I think pastors mentioned the story before of the gentleman who was very wealthy and he was very greedy with his money. And he said, I only have one request. He said, when, I'm, when I die, he said, I want you to make sure you put all my money inside that casket with me. Because I'm going to die with my money. I don't want anybody getting my money. And when his casket was closed, some of the relatives knew that he had made that request of his wife. And they said, how could you do that to where you put all his possessions and all his money in a casket and he can't use it? And you're going to be destitute with nothing else. And she said, oh, she says, I, I put his money in there like he asked it. I asked him to, but I'm, I'm going to be quite fine. I'm going to be just all right. They said, well, how you, how's that going to work? And, and she says, I put it, I, I wrote out a check. I put it in there. And as soon as he cashes it, he can have it all. But if he don't cash it, I got the rest of his stuff. 
Your stuff is not going to go with you, child of the living God. It's not going to go. You're not going to have it all to run. But what we will be, the Bible said we're born as dust and we're going to die as dust. What we will be is what our soul is. It's your soul whenever the worship service gets going on. Does your heart immediately want to lift your hands toward God? Or does it want to have an attitude where I'm just going to do like this because God is not worthy of my praise? I'm going to tell you what. The ones that are going to make heaven are going to be the ones that want to worship Him. And they love Him more than anything this world has to offer. If anything in this world means more to you than God, you've got something mixed up. That's true. That's true. We come, become collectors where we feel we can insulate ourselves from the stresses of this world by surrounding ourselves with material things. Your stuff will never save you. Your stuff will never bring you happiness. Your stuff will never give you the peace that you're looking for. But I'm going to tell you what, Jesus Christ can and will be more than you ever need. Now you wonder why you can't find peace in your life and you're always agitated. It's because you've not put God in his proper place in your life. God deals in multiplication by subtraction. He comes up to us and God said, Tristan, I want something out of you. I want to take this away from you. And we're over here going, God, you have, you want five minutes more a day for, for me to pray, man? I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss Sports Center. What are you talking about? I'm gonna miss the, the shopping channel. They might have a deal on a watch or something. I want five more minutes of your time to read the Bible. God takes something from us. Your desire is to be something great when you grow up. And God says, I, 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 it's okay for you to have the desire, but I want to be number one. So let me have that for a minute. But when he takes something from us, right, right. and we allow God to break us. See, Jesus found the little boy, the disciples found the little boy with five loaves and two fishes. And that was all they had. They didn't really have much. But the little boy had to be willing to give it up. For Jesus Amen. to be able to break it right. and multiply it. Amen. God cannot multiply us until we allow him first to perform some subtraction right. in our lives. See, it's a trust factor. We don't want to give God some things sometimes because we don't trust that he's going to do what's best for us. Well, I trust God all the time. Really? What happens when you are faced with a trial that you've never seen and you've never maybe even seen anybody walk in that area before? Right. And everything that you want seems like it keeps getting ripped away from you and stripped away from you. And God does subtraction in your life. And God is looking for us at those times to humble ourselves and to allow ourselves to be placed in the hands of the master and broken. And broken does not feel good. Breaking does not feel good. But when he begins to break us, he begins to multiply us and to spread us around. And instead of one person that we're reaching for God, all of a sudden we're reaching two people. And then we're reaching three people. And then we're reaching four people. Why? Because he's allowing us to be multiplied. But it cannot happen in our life until we allow him to take away the things, the 
doesn't stand between us and God. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. I'm going to tell you what. Until we learn to get let go of ourselves. Let the sin of the movie frozen. we got to let go. Let it go. we got to trust in God. we got to believe that God is going to do what's right for us. And every time, it's say, God, it's not my dream. It's not my will. But it's your will. Be done. God cannot and will not multiply us until we have been broken first. God will not multiply us in a spirit of arrogance. I've never seen anybody yet get the Holy Ghost that wouldn't surrender first. That's right. I've seen a lot of people pray for the Holy Ghost like this. I've seen a lot of people pray for the Holy Ghost like this. I was telling the young people, I was talking about worship the last time we had a, ser a serious service. And I talked about why we lift our hands and why we clap our hands. We lift our hands because even the militaries of this world, if they don't know your language, if they see you on the other side and you go, I give up. Don't shoot me, please. I surrender myself. When we lift our hands and when we can go beyond this, right. making ourselves. Mm -hmm. Amen. I said making ourselves. Right. Throw our hands up and say, God, I give you everything. This thing I've been holding back, this little, this little thing that is more important to me than you, God, I surrender that. And when I see people's hands go up like this for the head, I know that somebody's about to get the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Somebody's about to get something from God. Why? Because I surrender myself. Amen. He will multiply those that have chosen to humble themselves. And I'm getting ready to close. Arrogance and pride lead to the next step, and that's rebellion. Satan said, I will ascend. Korah sought to lift himself up and was destroyed. Nebuchadnezzar boasted about his achievements. And God gave him insanity for seven years. And he crawled around a king of Babylon. Crawled around on his knees like a rabid animal and ate grass. And things like an animal did. Because he said, I have done all this. And God said, you haven't done anything without my ability. And without me setting you up, King Nebuchadnezzar. And when we begin to say, I am this. God says, oh no, you're not. In God, you can only go up by going down. On your knees in submission. Amen. In God's alphabet, you comes before I. You, oh God, are my life. You, oh God, are my salvation. You, oh God, are everything that I need. You, oh God, are my peace. You, oh God, are my joy. You, oh God, are my purpose for living. You, oh God, are my destiny. You, oh God, are the reason I get up every morning and put my shoes on and get ready to go to work. You, said I did it my way and his way led to an early grave 
To become an overcomer in God, we must first learn how to surrender our will, our dreams, our successes, and our failures to God. We must learn that only in God do we have a purpose and meaning. Only in God, young person, are you ever going to find joy? Only in God are you ever going to find peace, elder. Only in God, young married person, are you going to find hope? Only in God, single person, are you going to find fulfillment? Only in God are we going to find happiness. Jesus is the only identity I need. There's a song I love. It's out on the radio and it plays a lot. I thought about it at first I didn't like the song but then when I really got to listen to it I thought it's got to be my my song I've got to adopt this as my song and it says simply I don't want to leave a legacy I always thought about legacy building as I got older I thought I want to leave something for my kids to remember me I want to know that their dad prays I want to know that their dad reads the word and that their dad loves Jesus more than anything and that's that's important to me but then that song says I don't care if they remember me but if they remember Jesus maybe my kids won't even remember who I am when I get older but if they can remember dad knew who Jesus was mom knew who Jesus was he didn't have all the answers but he knew who did have all the answers. Could somebody this morning finally let your walls down? Could somebody finally tell God at an altar this morning? But God, I'm tired of doing it my way and messing up over and over again because I I keep falling and making the same mistakes over and over. Jesus is watching us every single time. We're like a little child. We're like a, a little baby as it makes its first steps. And, and Jesus is so proud of us when we make our first steps, but we, we fall. And, and, and he, he tells us, come on, you can do it again. You can do it again. I, I'm not going to slap you while you're down. You can do it again. I know you got this. You got this. You can do it. Jesus is your biggest fan. And he said, I believe in you. I see your potential. But you've got to allow me to break you and multiply you. If we could, all of us that are able, if we could just come around the front. I know we don't usually do it this way, but we as a body of Christ could just come around the front. If you don't need to pray, you can pray for somebody else. Come on, let's let the body of Christ come up. I feel the Holy Ghost strong on somebody this morning. Several somebodies.
And I don't know where you walked in your life in every moment of every day. But Jesus Christ knows everything. He knows what's going through your mind right now. He knows. He's numbered every hair that's on your head. He sees every feeling you've got. He sees you if you're broken. He sees you if you're hurting. He sees you if you've been wounded. But he's saying, somebody, would you give me your heart today? Would you give me not who you want to be, but you give me your life so that I can be who I want to be in you. When we pray, let's just lift our hands and begin to worship Him. God, I give you everything. Hallelujah. Body ministry, be sensitive. If you see somebody seeking for, for the Lord, be sensitive. Hallelujah. God, I, I normally start praying and then I close and I put my arms down and I, I close my heart up because I'm scared. It's okay to be afraid, but somebody's got to trust Jesus this morning and say, God, I trust you that you're not going to hurt me. I trust you that you're not going to let me down. I trust you that you're not going to drop me and break me. Jesus, today is the day I lift my hands and I don't hold anything back. Jesus, today is the day when I give you all of me and I stop being like a hamster on the wheel. Jesus, today is the day when I let you be the Lord of my life. You don't know that as our singers are singing that we can begin to worship the Lord and pray and ask God, hallelujah, to make us number one. Let us lose ourselves so that we can become what he wants us to be. Hallelujah, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. 